listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Big Idea Friday, which means you'll be hearing Sangram share a specific concept that has transformed the way he lives his life and leads his business. Like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. All right, every single Friday, I'm gonna do a video on my book writing. So, a lot of people have asked me, Sangram, you've written two books, you're writing another book, what does the process look like? How do you decide what to write about? How do you do research? How do you figure out what services you're gonna go with? How do you figure out the timeline? How do you do interviews? A ton of questions, and I've been doing that one-on-one with so many people. So I finally decided to release a video which will be in the peak community, but the audio will be right here. So if you wanna see a lot more notes, a lot more commentary, go check out peak community. Uh, but if you wanna just hear the journey every single Friday, I'm just gonna drop in a video right here for you. And if you have any questions, just hit me up on LinkedIn and I would make sure that I cover that up um, in these videos. And again, this is, <laughs> this is scary for me, but I hope you can follow along. And along the way, if some of you get inspired and do write their own book, I wanna make sure that I can help you in every way possible. So right now, starting today, check this out. Welcome to another episode of Flip My Funnel Podcast. Uh, this time, you, you probably have seen the series from James in January, which was all about productivity and efficiency. Then in February, we had David Lewis run this incredible series on Tuesday Takeover that is all about interviewing unicorn CMOs. And now I have Ethan, who's the VP of marketing at BombBomb, who's doing another incredible, incredible series for March. And, and Ethan, thank you so much for doing it and welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's a privilege. I'm really excited about it and I'm glad you took me up on the idea. Oh man, no doubt. So what is this series called and who are you going to interview first? This is all about chief evangelism. It's just something that I saw more and more on LinkedIn. Of course, it was your title, so you're one of, uh, one of the interviews in this series. We'll start with David Zbitsky, who is the chief evangelist for Alexa and Echo at Amazon. He's really the pioneer of the voice-first movement, comes from a developer background, but has this real passion for some of the same themes you and I talked on is like bringing the customer view into the organization and sharing the spirit behind the movement, not just the product or the service or the transactional sale, but bringing the spirit of the movement out to the market and really bearing that torch, you know, being the messenger, leading the cause, being a point person that people come to for thought leadership around this category that didn't exist just, you know, months or even years earlier. That is fantastic, Ethan. Let's go. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Flip My Funnel. My name is Ethan Butte. It's a privilege to be co-hosting, and it's a privilege to be joined by the original chief evangelist of Alexa and Echo, leading the voice-first revolution at Amazon, Dave Izbitsky. Welcome and thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into the guts of what your day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month looks like. What does evangelism look like? at a practical level, what do you love about it, how is it structured, and a variety of other topics. But let's start with evangelism. So prior to joining Amazon, you spent six and a half years as a principal technical evangelist at Microsoft. Prior to becoming the chief evangelist in the voice category, you were the principal evangelist of the uh, Amazon App Store. What does evangelism mean to you in this context? Yeah, it's funny. It's like, I've always been the type 
where if it was a large organization and everything was figured out, you know, like when you start your career, you start to figure out where you gel and where your strengths are. And for me, if everything was already figured out, I got bored pretty quick. Like I've done the whole corporate ladder and I've done management and I've done a little bit of sales and marketing. And I, did, I was a developer for a while. I did consulting. And gosh, it was in like around 2006 and Microsoft had this job called developer evangelist. And I was like, what the heck is that? But then in in reading it, I was like, wow, this is me. Like it's this in a nutshell, it's a messenger, you know, and I find because I interview a lot of people for this type of role, too. And it's somebody who's very passionate about what's new and can figure out what does that mean? What's the impact of that? What's the technical side? And then they can go and explain that to anybody. And there's a difference between having an awareness of something. I think we all have general awareness of things and then knowing something intimately enough that you can explain it to, to almost anybody, right? And that, mm-hmm. to me, really, that's what evangelism is. And I've just, I've been lucky enough where I've been doing that type of role at all these large companies. And these large companies, tech companies have sales roles and they have marketing roles and they have BDM roles and they have developers, right? And so I've always looked at the evangelist and you don't need a lot of them, but it's, it's the person that sees, they always have those anecdotal stories, right? So like a lot of companies run on data. Amazon's no different. Microsoft was no different. And so people will be looking at data and metrics and they'll be saying, you know, we're seeing this and our customers are telling us this. And then I'll be the person that walks in the room and I'll say, actually, here's a story. And it kind of contradicts what all that brain thinking is around it, right? And that's the important stuff because I think every organization, you can handle stuff that kind of fits into any specific mold, but especially in tech with with disruption, there's so many new waves coming all the time. And so that's what the the role is. I'm not big on titles. It's, It's funny, LinkedIn has the chief evangelist title, but on Twitter for the past two years, I've been assistant parentheses to the regional manager, mm-hmm. which is from Office Space, if anybody's an, an, an Office Space fan. And that's really what it's about. So it's like we're marketing, you're blasting a message, you know, one to millions. Evangelism is a one-to-one. You know, it's building relationships. It's long-term relationships. So even when I was at, when I was at Microsoft, I would be the same face you know, for six years in an account where you may have had different salespeople moving through. So you become a person that a sounding board, you know, Dave, what does this really mean? What is this really, the technology, how does this fit? And I'm also wired, and I think a lot of evangelists are, I get bored very easily. If you look at the core five personality traits, I'm very enthusiastic. I'm very open to new experiences and I have very high assertiveness, right? So it's like, basically what that means is you find the newest, coolest thing, you get excited about it, and then you got to go tell everybody about it mm-hmm. and then tell them, you know, they should be doing it this new way, right? Yeah. And so it's a role that changes over time too. It's very different what I was doing. As the message gets out there and as people start behaving differently, I'm sure, is that the primary driver of the evolution of the role? Yeah. You think of it like a catalyst. So like a lot of what I've done in my career is there'll be a new technical wave and I want to explain what that is to people and help them get started. Right. So that stuff's going to naturally, if you look at an adoption curve, right. So you see early adopters and then you have mass adoption and you kind of have disillusion in there and everything too, in the long tail, all that will happen naturally. But if you put someone like me into that, there's a catalyst where that can happen faster. So rather than that happening over two years, it happens within two months. And the way that you do that, and it's different for everybody. It's funny, you know, having been in this kind of role now for so long, 
I always make this joke that if somebody takes this role after the first year, like you can Google search this, I guarantee after the first year, they all write what evangelism is. There'll be some blog post that says what a technical evangelist is, what a marketing evangelist. And the truth is they're all right. And that's because that's what I love about the role. It's the only role that is exactly what you make of it. And it's, it's a reaction into what needs to be done at that time. Right. Yeah. And, and so like in, in the beginning, I'll give you an example. I was employee one on the Alexa skills marketing side. So in the beginning it was like, gosh, what's the audience? How many employees are there now? There's over 10,000 employees now working on Alexa and that's across, I mean, the people way, way smarter than me, right? They're not just, I'm a marketing guy. I like to talk a lot, but there are people that are doing the real computer science on this stuff. You know, you were really at the forefront of this voice first revolution. And, and yeah, yeah, I've been so fortunate to lots of products. I mean, I was doing early in like 97, I was doing e-commerce pipelines for this uh, company called Mac Warehouse, Micro Warehouse, and used to compete against Amazon back in the day of who can get to a million in transaction in, uh, you know, in, a, in a day. And so I've kind of seen .com grow up. I've seen the web. I've been able to be through the mobile where I spent most of my time at Microsoft was in mobile and web. I mean, you'll see talks out there of me like saying, what is Azure in cloud computing, right? Like it's 12, 2012, 2013, kind of explaining that. And then when I was at Amazon, I was like employee four for app store marketing. Now maybe three, yeah. App Store marketing of like, what does this mean when we were going to launch the Fire tablets, right? And we're going to have these Android apps and help launch Fire TV and Fire Phone and then had this opportunity for Echo. And I remember the first time using that, I was like, gosh, like I'm actually talking to this thing. Because that's the biggest thing, right? Is over the past couple of years, is that we're all talking to technology now. And it's like uh, when you hold a screen, you assume you can tap it, right? Like it's glass. Now there's this switch. Like the more that we do things, the brain is like any other muscle. You start to get neurons and pathways that build up and you're going to actually reach out and try and talk first, which is just such a natural and simple way to do it, right? Yeah, and hands-free um, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it just, it's the whole idea of ambient computing mm-hmm. is that you're not carrying it around. It's going to seem silly. Like my great grandkids are going to be like, what? You carried a computing device in your pocket? Like, or you went you just, to a specific place in your home to sit down in order to compute. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was actually a thought, like you had to say, I'm now going to switch gears and compute, right? It's not just this continued conversation that I have with an AI that knows me intimately that has historical understanding of the conversations we've already had (laughs) that can amplify my thoughts and things like that. You know, like we're all, we're all heading into that area. So yeah, it's, it's so in the beginning, it was just figuring out what that was. What does that mean? Who do we talk to? What are the types of tools we need to build? And so it was very developery in the building and then we, in the beginning and we hired lots of teams and nowadays it's talking to like brands and marketers of like, hey, like what if you could have a conversation with your customer every day in the moment where they're comfortable instead of like sending a survey 24 hours later, right? It's just incredible things. Like what does your brand sound like? You know, we spend all this right. time on building logos, but we don't see them. Like what does it sound like? And do you want... Alexa to be the voice of your brand or you want a spokesperson or you, you know, cause it's just incredible, incredible space. Yeah, it's a new way to think about brand in general, you know, you, because you know, when you get to the, to really the guts of it, you start thinking about 
what does it feel like? What is its personality? If, if it was a, a person at a dinner party, what would its characteristics be? But when you put it exclusively in voice, uh, it adds just such a different element than, you know, obviously a voice in writing or, as you said, a logo graphically or even, you know, the visual representations as everyone's doing video whether it's, whether it's a face and a spokesperson or whether it's, you know, the way that you animate your graphics or you open and close every video, all these things, voice alone is a, is a, to your point, a very interesting new wrinkle to think about the brand. And it's not even, uh, and the, the great thing about it, Elon Musk said this, I love it, is that typing is very low bandwidth, mm-hmm. right? And I always feel that way. Like I dictate when I'm writing because my brain's going so fast and I talk mm-hmm. fast. And so it's, it's a faster bandwidth right? It's still low bandwidth compared to like how the speed of thought and everything, but it's just, it's, it's higher bandwidth and it's not even new. It's like, I mean, you look at the Gutenberg revolution and, and print and like we live in this age where we think it's always been that way. But I mean, our ancestors and for thousands of years, I mean, we were an oratory society, mm-hmm. we were, you know, and, and we can just in milliseconds, we, we, we can look at a, a human face and we understand so many things at a subconscious level. And there's so much about that now that's coming to the, to the forefront in interfaces. I mean, just, there's just, you look at like, you look at Jungian with uh, the collective unconsciousness and all of these things with like a culture and how, because speech has dialect and there's history in dialect. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why where I am outside Philly we say things a little different than they say where I grew up in Jersey, right? But yeah, that's not history. Just accents, it's entire words and the way we, you know, jam a couple words together and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it, and it's very democratizing. I mean, you could see here in my, in my studio, all these old computers I build in Commodore. And I remember being a kid and picking up a computer, you know, growing up in the eighties and, and like being like, why is this so hard for everybody else? Mm-hmm. Can everybody see how much fun and cool this is? And I feel like as a tech industry, left people behind and it's pissed me off, you know, for lack of a better term. Walk back. Yeah. And and it's not, yeah, exactly. My dad, my mom still prints out emails. Mm -hmm. He does, he's never used a computer and he talks to Alexa all the time. He tells me things he did when I see him and I'm like, wow. You know, that's- I had to teach my dad to use his smartphone. And the first thing (laughs) I taught him in order to text my brother and sister and me, was to hold down the microphone and just talk to us. Like, yeah, I don't need you, dad. I do not need you worrying about, you know, pecking it all out on the tiny little keyboard. Don't even worry about it. Just hold this button down, start talking. And then when you're done, just let it go. And then, yeah. you know, and yeah, it, it really does bring that barrier down. So I want to get back into a little bit the role Function. I think you did a really nice job, A, evangelizing a little bit on the voice revolution and how important it is. And you spoke to the marketing side of it as well as the consumer side, which I'm sure is deeply natural to you at this point. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm, I'm going to, I want to get to four specific questions and I'm going to do it by flattering you through the words of one of your uh, coworkers, Alan Wu, who's the head of partnerships for Amazon digital apps, games, and services. He wrote this positive review of you on LinkedIn. And then I'm going to turn that into four specific questions. David is superb with technology and even better with people. He is one of our most in-demand speakers and is one of Amazon's top evangelists. He cares a lot about the team around him and communicates very effectively. He also understands the issues and priorities that developers face in the marketplace today and helps to address them proactively. He's been extremely successful at Amazon, which speaks volumes about David's ability to execute 
because it's an insanely difficult environment. So first, I want to go to superb with tech and even better with people, the team around you and effective communication. Can you talk about this relationship between you have to know the tech, you have to know its applications, you have to know the dev side, but I think you already spoke to this pretty well, but talk to the human side of this role of chief evangelist. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm not even, the, even though I have them, I'm not a, such a fan of LinkedIn reviews, right? You always have yeah, to be yeah. careful with that kind of stuff, but people could just Google my name. You'll, you'll see stuff out there. So you know what it is? Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson said this, and I, I really love this, is that the number one thing is just being curious, mm-hmm. right? You know, Einstein talked about that, just natural wonder and curiosity too. And so I don't even look at it as technical acumen. I look at it as curiosity. I've always been that way of like, well, this is like, how does it work? How does a computer think? How can I, how can I code a computer? And so a lot of what I do when I'm working with teams at Amazon, and every culture is different, right? The, the, the interesting thing about Amazon is, is we start with the customer and work backwards. And so developer teams will have the PR release years before something is even released. So that allows everybody on the team to be like, oh, well, this is how I'm going to affect a customer, right? And so I'll look at a PR release and then I'll get curious and I'll be like, all right, well, how does this work and how are you going to do it? And so when I meet with people, it's that. I mean, a lot of times there's not documentation. And, and the way this is, is, is an evangelist, this is how I've always approached things. And again, everybody's different, is, is I've always broken it up into three different things, Right. One is the flywheel of internal, which is what you brought up, is that I'm constantly talking to people and I have this view of the field. I need to take that back inside because a lot of these teams are just dying to talk to like an actual customer. You know, they may be a developer that's coding all day and they have all these reports. Again, everybody's got data, whether it's their own data or third parties. And Amazon's very fortunate in that there's a lot we know about our customers too. So it's like, you know, we don't have to hire to figure out, well, it's an act, what's, what are customers buying and things like that, right? But it's, it's that. It's taking that and saying, we need these things. This isn't working. This stuff sucks. This stuff we need more of. This is really good. And I'm hearing all that. It's the first piece of it. Second piece of it is being messaging. And that's where you'll see me on social media, having social currency in a certain space so that people can rely on you to give your thoughts. And where's this all headed? So like, if I'm working on this now, what can I expect, especially when I'm talking to to marketing folks or VCs, it's like, what's the ROI on this stuff now? And a lot of it's like, you know, it's day one. It's about understanding, you know, looking at IPAs and understanding how customers, how people are actually using these things, right? And so it's explaining, it's teaching, it's doing all of that. And then the third part of that is highlighting people. It's building community. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I did where in the early days is who's in this space? Where, where are the touch points on this? How do I help them? How do I, how do I you know, I do my own podcast, but how do I get, help other people start podcasts? How do I make them successful. And so it's this flywheel of these, these three different pillars. And what's great is as you're talking, you're bringing back information into the internal teams. You can use that to go ahead and teach because you, you start to see, all right, this stuff is going three years out. I have my view and my opinion on what I think this stuff is five and 10 years out. What's my current company aligning? What are all the customer concerns? And then where can I fill in the gaps? Mm-hmm. And there's always themes. You know, it's one of the things I did first couple of years is I had an internal wiki and it was 80, 80 pages long. And it was all these themes. Some of it was actual emails. Some of it was tweets. I used to do this, ask me anything. I don't do it so much anymore. I just talk a lot on, on social media, but I used to turn my webcam on and one hour a week, you've got any questions, come and ask me, right? Which was unheard of at Amazon. Yeah. Right. You know, 
I had to, I had to build up a lot of trust with PR sure. legal and, and be like, look, I it's, we need a face on this, right? You need to personalize. And I think an evangelist is that's, and Guy Kawasaki does this amazing. I just, it's, he's a, he's a hero of mine. And just seeing like, it doesn't matter where he is. It's Guy, right? Like you, you'll, you'll see that. And that, and that's what I've always tried to do is so that people are like, okay, I can, I just want to talk to Dave and get his opinion. And I do, and I do. And then when, you know, talking internally, there's a lot of the influencing through without authority, right? And so even leaders of other organizations will just do a one-on-one and it's like, I just want to pick your brain and send me, and that's where you build up wikis is so that you're not meeting one-on-one with thousands of people, but you're like, there's no reason to do it. It scales it. You take your brain and you put it. And then one of the things we actually did too, is we had, as we had Alexa engineers come in and they love this part of their onboarding process was to go to my wiki because it was the history, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's how did we get here? So it was like, what were people asking three years ago when I wasn't here. And I just did that because I love the history of tech. And I was always like, read any tech book I could find of like, what was this like? Even when I was at Microsoft, I loved hearing people like when we were building DOS and we were building Windows, I was like, what was that like? You know? And so I'm the same way now where I'll, I'll go do and I'll talk to new hires and I'll be like, you know, this is why this things are the way they are and how we got here. And, you know, we have these leadership principles at Amazon. And one of the things we, we want people to do is think big it's anthropological, right? Where it's like, here's the history of it, but I don't want it to cloud anybody's ideas. There's none of that. Like we tried this once three years ago and it didn't work. Like you'll never hear me say that because I want people to think big. We also have this leadership principle of bias for action. So I want them to think big and just go do it. Right. And so it's a lot of that internally, a lot of mentoring, a lot of talking about why things they are and what are, what are customers saying? And then externally, it's trying to figure out what are we, and that, you know, every culture is different. The thing about Amazon that I like is because we're so customer focused, when we launch something, it's because customers were asking. Mm-hmm. I've worked at other companies where it's like, we built this amazing tech. Now go tell people about it and get them to use it. Right. So yeah, it's almost like a, it's, it's way easier now because it's like, it's stuff they're already asking for. So then it's explaining, it's more about education around the space versus the specific thing. Yeah. You know? I love, I love the internal external blend. It's been a, it's been a theme of what you've been sharing with us since we started talking here. And, and you just really brought it home in terms of, we don't have to build for what we want to build. We don't have to build for what we think people want. You're, you're creating this loop in addition to helping get the adoption and help evolve usage. You're also helping plan what needs to be built by creating that feedback loop. Now, another line from Alan there is one of Amazon's top evangelists. Can you just really quickly, I, in researching chief evangelists, I saw that there were several within Amazon. Can you just talk about the role of evangelist in general or chief evangelist within Amazon? Uh, I think you've made it clear why it's important, but how many are there? How is it structured? How do they report? What does success look like? Just give us a you know, quick minute or two on that. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of them. I've worked at companies where there's more. Usually, if it's chief, it's for somebody who's been there in the ground floor. Like one of my friends, Jeff Barr, is the chief evangelist over in, in our cloud in Amazon Web Services. And he's been there since, oh gosh, like 2006. And again, it's just a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. They report up usually, every company is different. Amazon, we usually report up through marketing organizations. Okay. Some companies I've worked out, they report up into the developer 
organization. I, where I'm on, I sit on the leadership team. So I kind of get a view of both engineering and marketing and business, which I think is a really good spot to be in. So, like, you know, I hate giving the answer. It depends, but a lot of that is on everything. And again, I'm not, I'm not big on titles because there are certainly smaller startup companies that have the name evangelist in it. And they're basically a developer that's excited and wants to get out there and talk. Yeah. You know, uh, there are people that are engineers with the best Twitter following. Right. Or the developer who got a PowerPoint from marketing. It's those type of things. And so I always look at it as if somebody has got that in their title, it's somebody that wants to get out there and talk and listen to customers and is excited and is passionate. Like literally if I'm interviewing somebody for this type of role, if I'm talking to them and everything is like, if it's on the developer side and it's code, 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 I'm like, you would be so much happier being an engineer or being a solutions architect. And, you know, there are other people who it's the art of the sale. Like, you know, I, I'm the type of person and all evangelists are like this, where you can go into an account and you get everybody excited, but you're not having anybody sign anything. You know, there's an art form and a follow-up and all of that. I mean, it takes a certain skill set to be a salesperson and that's not what this is. Right. Either. I like to think of it sometimes like a gardener. A lot of what an evangelist does is you're planting a thousand different seeds and some of them grow and some of them might be something you, you spent time with somebody and then you get an email six months later about how you inspired them and they went and they did all these things, but you didn't know anything about it. It's just a seed that, that grew. Yeah. Right. And, and just so to draw that out a little bit, I've heard you share, obviously you're, you're nurturing these things, you're seeing what grows. And then periodically when it produces fruit or similar, you bring it back into the company and say, you know, look at this fruit. Here's why it developed. Here's where it came from. And you create some context around what's happening out there. Yep. And you need to be, you need to be very visible. You know, I like my name is part of the, the voice space. And so what will happen is even this happens at Amazon. I mean, even people that are Amazonians will reach out to me because they, they heard from the podcast or they know my name. And so it's connecting all these other little pieces. And there's been areas where accounts, you know, there may be a, and this happened across all the companies, both Amazon and Microsoft and other companies have been at where a salesperson was trying to talk to somebody, but then that got nowhere, but that company actually reaches out to me and it may be the, the CMO or the, or the CEO and they saw me talk or do a keynote and so you're, it's like an inbound sales is coming through with your network just from the visibility. And that helps a lot too, you know, versus just going out and it's cold calling and, and things like that. It's a, it's a known brand entity. Yeah, that's awesome. I think for the sake of time, we'll blow by the other two questions that come out of Alan's really kind comment. And I'm sure very hard earned comment for you, but it sounds like you love it. So how hard is that? And, and, and that was the issues and priorities that developers face. But I really think you've done a nice job of talking about who the stakeholders are in the work that you're doing. And that's internal, external. It's the consumer. It's the external developer that's building Amazon skills, et cetera. The other one is the insanely difficult environment. And, and I think that'll be a topic for another conversation. You know, the, you know obviously a super high performing, you know, just amazing company. One of the best companies to, to grow up in my lifetime. I'm sure it's a really challenging environment to work in, but you're obviously thriving there. Um, I'm going to go with one last question, then I'll honor the spirit of the show, which asks you to leave all the listeners with a challenge. So my question for you here, just to bring it back to the audience a little bit is, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, global multi-billion dollar companies with, and you've talked a little bit about the way evangelism structured in there. When might a smaller company commit to having an evangelist? You made, a, you made a really good observation about, you know, the quote unquote, I'm air quoting evangelist. When 
would accompany, like what are maybe some characteristics or markings or signs on the wall or internal problems, challenges, or questions that say, you know what, I think if we appointed an evangelist, it could, this is the right time for that. What, what are some markings in a company that isn't as developed or, as, or even as like hardcore progressive as, you know, you're pioneering this voice first revolution. It needs to be advanced. So that begs for, for the role that you've, that you've carved out there. Just talk about it in the context of maybe a smaller company that, that when might they need an evangelist? Yeah. And I, I love small, small companies. I love the startup culture and mentality. Sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm still working for the world's biggest startup. It just happens to be funded by this great VC called amazon.com. Yeah. Right. So we don't have, you know, some of the struggles that most startups do, but it's still that culture, that hungry culture. You know, where I see it a fit a lot is if you've created a product or an API or a framework, you know, marketing is going to get the word out there. Salespeople are going to talk to people, but there's no community. You know, people aren't helping each other. It's not self-sustaining. And that's what evangelists do, especially at startups. And so if you're looking, you know, you've got this new AI or this new developer framework and evangelists can come in, they're going to blog about it. They're going to get on social. They're going to do webinars. They're going to go out and do hackathons and invite people. And they're going to figure out who are people within that industry. And it's going to get all that anecdotal data for one, but it's also going to give you the world's best marketing because it's going to happen through informal channels and it's going to happen through a sincerity and a credibility versus a brand, right? It's going to give a face to all of that. And I've seen a lot of success. I mean, I, over the years, there's a lot of people I've mentored and, uh, you know, there are people who've gone on to, I don't want to name drop or anything, but there's people who've gone on to a lot of startups and they're very happy. And like, I'm very fortunate and I do what I, like I pay to do what I do. <laughs> I love talking. I love podcasting. I love going on stage and like, so you find somebody that's like that, and then they're excited about your product. I mean, this is a guy does too. I mean, you see it. It's just, I met Mark Hamill when, uh, you know, again, one of my childhood heroes when I was uh, keynoting at Yext, and he was keynoting too, and he said something that's always stuck with me, and I think it's, it's very appropriate with uh, evangelism too, is that there's one thing you can't fake, it's sincerity. And that's really what this, this role brings. It's this, you know, you're not trying to sell anything. This is this genuine. You're going to help people. And that sincerity goes way longer than people think. I mean, we're all human beings yeah. at the end of the day. And you that can be incredible. Yeah, it could be incredible success for a startup like that to have that genuine sincerity and community building and fellowship. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Hey, Sangram Vajray, the host of the show, wants to make it actionable for people. He always ends with this question. What is one challenge that you would leave the audience with today, Dave? Yeah, so I'll leave it with this. And I do tell people who are looking into this field too, because I think it's appropriate to almost anything, but never lose your wonder. And what I mean by that is if you've been working on something for a while and you're going to go out and you're going to go talk to an audience, maybe you get invited to go on a podcast or a keynote. There's this human tendency where we feel we need to prove ourselves. You know, how smart am I in this field and how educated in the field? But the people that are hearing you for the first time, they haven't been working with that for years. And one of the things I always try to do is approach it with new eyes and new wonder and to be like, I've, let, let's, you know, it's 2019. I've never used an Echo, right? Like that's how I would approach it. Yeah. What does it mean that first time? And I think you can apply that to almost any field because that's how you connect with an audience. That's how you connect with people. And it's also how you remind yourself. I try to remember Dave, that, you know, that, that 10 year old kid, the first time he opened that commoner computer and was coding, like, don't lose that wonder. You wake up and if you can feel that, no matter what your, 
your job is or what you're doing, it'll give you that, that passion and that excitement and be able to connect with people who are just using it for the first time. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. You're obviously in the right place. You're doing the right thing. Really appreciate all your insights and your time. And I hope you, the listener, found it valuable today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.